Well, hey everyone, welcome once again to the Wilkerson home. We've been living here on Paul Revere Road in Bedford ever since we first came to Grace Chapel 20 years ago this spring. We raised four kids here, so this is a pretty full house for a while. But it's quiet now. In these days of quarantine, it's just the two of us, and we're doing okay with that. Although every once in a while, Karen will say, maybe you'd like to go work at church today. I get it. Like, even after seven or eight weeks of this, I still can't, cannot get used to the fact that I'm sitting on a couch in my living room on a Sunday morning. I mean, as a, as a pastor's kid and a pastor, I have spent nearly every Sunday morning of my life in a church building. And I have to be honest, I miss it. I miss driving over to the campus on a Sunday morning with this sense of expectancy. What are you going to do today, Lord? Who's going to be there? Who will I talk to? What, what special moments will we experience together? I miss being with all of you in those sacred spaces, spaces where God has met us so many times before. But you know what I'm discovering in this season, or maybe rediscovering, is that home can also be a sacred space. That word sacred means connected with God, dedicated to a religious purpose. Now, we normally use that word to describe church buildings and religious rooms. We even have fancy religious names for them, uh, sanctuary, narthex, fellowship hall, Sunday school rooms. We expect spiritual things to happen in those places, we, and, and they do. God, God meets us in those spaces. He he forms us into the people that we're meant to be. He, he, he uses us to bless each other and to bless the world. And, and I miss those spaces and want to be back in them again. But what I'd like us to think about for a few minutes today, what, what Peter is going to tell us in his letter, is that your home is a sacred space. Now, it may not feel like that right now. It may not look like that right now, but your home the home you're cooped up in in these days of quarantine, that can be sacred space. Every square foot of it is holy ground. It's connected to God. It's, it has a religious purpose. So let me read a few lines from Peter's letter here, and then I think you'll see what I mean. Now, I need to warn you, some of these words and phrases are going to sound a little strange and maybe even troubling. But just hang with me and we'll make sense of it all, okay? First Peter chapter one, beginning at verse chapter three, rather, beginning at verse one. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. See what I mean? Be submissive, weaker partner. Now what's wrong with braided hair and fine clothes? Some of those words and phrases just don't sit well with us. 
And you know what? They shouldn't. <laughs> they were written to another time and another culture. A culture that very frankly was not fair to women. That severely limited their freedom, their opportunity, and their influence. Now, we're not going to take time today to unpack all the cultural factors and in interpreting these verses. We've done that many times before. It's really not the main point I'm after today. But I need to say something to help us understand these words here. Peter is not endorsing that repressive patriarchal culture. Just like he's not endorsing the unjust, unjust persecution of Christians, which he talks about in the previous verses. And he's not endorsing the, the evil institution of slavery, which he also talks about in this letter, or the, the oppressive tyranny of the Roman emperor, which he also talks about in this letter. Peter is not endorsing any of those unjust, unhappy realities. He's not endorsing the, the abuse or the repression or exploitation of any human being under any circumstance. He's simply speaking to the realities of the day. He's, he's helping Christ followers know how to live with these realities, how to rise above them, how to honor God, how to love their neighbors, how to proclaim the gospel even in difficult circumstances. We'll talk some more about some of this in a couple of weeks. But in this particular section, he's speaking to women who found themselves in a difficult circumstance because they had embraced faith in Christ while their husbands had not. It's very unusual in that ancient culture for a wife not to embrace the religion of her husband. And so these women likely experienced, were viewed with suspicion by their husbands, by family members, and, and probably by society at large. They may very well have experienced some emotional distance and maybe even neglect from their husbands because of this faith difference. And so Peter is speaking to that reality and he's encouraging these women, even in difficult circumstances, not to give up, not to give in to fear or pressure, but to continue loving their husbands, growing in their faith. Because if they do, he says, they will become more and more like Christ, they will display the beauty of the gospel, and they may just see their husbands come to faith in Christ. But then he goes on and he, and he challenges husbands as well. Challenges them to be considerate as you live with your wives and to treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now again, we read that word weaker partner. and Again, Peter is just addressing the reality of the day which was that in that ancient world, women were in a very vulnerable condition, legally, financially, and even physically, especially when you consider the risks of childbirth in those days before modern medicine. Now, we know today that women typically outlive men by several years, and so they must have a certain kind of strength men don't have, but that's a subject for another sermon. And don't miss that Peter concludes this section by reminding his readers and us that even though women were disadvantaged culturally, spiritually speaking, they were equal partners. They shared fully as heirs in the gracious gift of life. 
So we're not going to take time to unravel all of that today. The point I want to call our attention to is that the home is a place where both husbands and wives have spiritual opportunities. Opportunities to grow in their faith, to serve each other in love, and proclaim the gospel to the world. Which brings us right back to where we began today, that your home is sacred space. It's a place where God's purpose unfolds. A place where he wants to meet you and form you and use you. He wants to bless you there so that you can bless one another and then together go out and bless the world. And just so we don't miss it, take a look at the last phrase in this section. It catches us by surprise. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Wait a second. I thought we were talking about marriage. What does prayer have to do with marriage? Well, quite a bit, it turns out. Peter's saying there's a direct connection between the, the, the quality of your home life and the vitality of your spiritual life. A direct connection between your, your life at home and your life with God. And, and understand, he's not just talking about husbands and wives here. This is, this is parents and children. This is brothers and sisters. This is aunts and uncles. He's, he's talking about birth families and foster families and adoptive families and, and, and all the people in the world you might call family. How we live with each other is a spiritual concern. Which means that as surely as Christ wants to meet us in, in sanctuaries and lobbies and fellowship halls, he also wants to meet us in our houses and our condos and our apartments and, and even our dormitories when they open again. Your home is sacred space even in a time of quarantine, and maybe especially in a time of quarantine. So let's think for a minute about what that means for us now in our present reality, our difficult circumstances. And I realize that for some of us, and maybe many of us, home is a pretty stressful place right now. Maybe you're getting a little tired of each other. Maybe you're tired of yourself after all these weeks. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of financial pressures. Maybe you're trying to juggle childcare and homeschooling and Zoom meetings and, and trying to take a shower. Maybe you're feeling really alone, cut off from people and family and friends. Understand that God wants to meet you right there in those stresses. He wants to meet you in your kitchen and in your living room and in your basement and, and in, your, in your bedroom. He wants to speak to you at home as surely as he speaks to you at church through the scripture. Maybe it'll happen as you have a quiet time with the Lord. Maybe it happens as you listen to a Grace Chapel devotional. Maybe it happens as you read the Bible to your kids at night before you tuck them into bed. Or, or maybe it happens when he brings a scripture to your mind when you don't even have time to read anymore. He wants you to talk to him in prayer, just like you do in church, to ask for his help and his grace and his strength. I, I like to use the, the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can pray that prayer in a moment, a desperate moment, a weary moment, even a noisy moment, and experience God's mercy and presence right there in that moment. And so home can be a sacred space even when it's challenging, 
if you invite Christ in. So as challenging as these days are, God can and will use them and, and, and shape us in these, in these days. I mean, think about it for a minute. Chances are you're sitting down, have dinner with your family, not just once or twice a week, but probably seven times a week. You're, you're, you're making videos together. You're, you're taking walks together. You're riding bikes together. You're baking cookies together. You're doing puzzles. You're playing games together. When I walk around the neighborhood, I, I, I see siblings playing with each other, hanging out together, brothers and sisters, older and younger, because that's all they've got. They have to, they have to rely on each other. Some, some psychologists and counselors are saying that, that they're finding decreased levels of depression and anxiety in children and teenagers these days because kids are home more, because their lives have slowed down, because they're spending more time with their parents. I was talking with an, an older woman uh, from Grace, single woman, just asking her how she was doing in these, in these days. And, and she went on to describe for me a whole series of phone calls and Zoom gatherings she has as she makes her way through the week. I mean, these are entirely new ways she has of connecting with people, ways that she hopes to continue on the other side of this. I mean, in our home, our frustration these days is not being able to see and help our kids who are all far away. But we've started doing Zoom gatherings on Sunday evenings. Now, we're not quite the Brady Bunch, but there are a lot of boxes on that screen. And to be honest, the first one was, was kind of awkward. Uh, we kept talking over each other, and the kids were squirming, and we didn't really know how, how deep we could go in the conversation. But as the weeks have gone by, they've become really meaningful times of connection for us. I mean, the conversations aren't always easy. There are sometimes tough things to talk about. But it's like we suddenly we were rediscovered how important we are to each other. We need to stay connected. And so as difficult as these days are, I think all of us are discovering new ways of connecting with God and each other. Ways that we hope to carry with us on the other side. I mean, just think about how we're living now. Think about how our lives have slowed down. I mean, talk about fasting. <laughs> we, have, we have given up sports Shopping, manicures, music lessons, eating out, business travel. And we're okay. I mean, we miss it, but we're okay. And sometimes we're maybe better off. So as eager as we are to do some of those things again, maybe we don't need to do all of those things as we look to the future. I thought it was important for you to hear from someone at a different stage of life than I'm at right now. Someone who is right in the thick of family these days. So I've asked uh, my friend and teammate Tim, Pastor Tim, to come and share a little bit about his experience and a thought or two from Scripture, uh, and then I'll come back and wrap things up. Hey everyone, Tim here on behalf of all the galleys, and as Pastor Brian mentioned, we want to give you a look at family life here. Uh, we are eight weeks in, there are six of us, four kids, two full-time jobs, and one really frustrated cat that's just not sure what to do with all of us. So shout out to all of you who are living with your kids right now. Uh, I was reading in one of the newer and updated translations of the Bible, and it said, In the new heaven and in the new earth, 
Everybody that was quarantined with you will get their own separate mansion far, far away from you. And no one will eat your favorite cereal anymore. It will be like eternal and infinite and glorified cocoa pebbles forever and ever. It's going to be great. It also said that teenagers and college students are going to get the biggest mansions of everybody. That's right. You will get these celestial, colossal chateaus that you don't have to share with anybody. You can go to sleep whenever you want. You can wake up whenever you want. It'll be terrific. But really, a special shout out to, to those of you who are uh, teenagers and young adults. Uh, this is a hard time for everybody, and this is uniquely challenging for you. And I know I speak on behalf of everybody when we say we are rooting for you, uh, we're cheering for you, we're praying for you, and we know that God is going to do something extraordinary through you in your life now and for years to come. I really believe that you're going to be the true innovators in all of this, so, so blessings to you. Well, as Brian said, we want to give you a look at what family life really is around here. Uh, we want to give you a realistic picture. Um, yeah, that's cute. Um, and, and we also want to just try to dispel any myths. Yeah, no, that's really cute, guys. Uh, but, not, but not so fast. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't really talk if, you're, if you yell. Okay, all right, listen, listen, listen. That was cute. Nice job, nice job. Thank, thanks for the help. <laughs> I asked him for some help, but like that was a little too much. No, no, no. Put him down. Put him, stop touching him like that. Stop, stop, stop that. That's going to lead to a fight. Excuse me for a second here. Leave the cat alone. She hates that. Stop. Um, could, could you just press pause on that? Let's just reset here for a second. It's paused. Hey, we said we were going to give a realistic picture, but not go overboard, okay? So I know it's getting late, but, you know, just, just relax a little bit, okay? I, I said put the cat down. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, you, you can press play now. We're back. Okay. Uh, and so we want to give you uh, a word of encouragement and really help you along. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's nobody actually operating the camera. It's all done by remote. Uh, my fellow actors here staged this. This is, my, this is my son and fellow actor Nathan. Hey, what's up, middle school ministry? I'll see you on Zoom. Nice job. This is Dylan. Hey everybody, I can't wait to see my friends again and I can't wait to be back at church. Nice job. This is Janelle. Hi everybody. Great. This is Brianna. Hi. <laughs> great, great. Try, try to get on the camera too, baby. And <laughs> perfect. Okay. Good enough. And this is my wife, Susan. Hey everybody. Well, that was a pretty accurate picture of what goes on here. But let me encourage you that you're probably doing better than you think you are. So just continue to press on. Um, and happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. Grace and peace to you. Nice. Thank you. Uh, we're we're going to take a moment and get reset. <laughs> I, I do actually want to share a reflection with you, but I really want to introduce it to my family. And really, this is pretty much what it is, right? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is right. everyday life in the galleys. Well, I'm back later at night. I'm not even sure what day it is anymore. Uh, some have called it Blabba Day. It's the day after what is today? And the day before, remove all the Amazon boxes off the kitchen table day. So whatever day that is, here I am. Uh, I know other families and, and parents and, and also people who don't even have kids uh, who are working late into the night because COVID had just interrupted our daily routines. 
But I want to tell you, we had a few expectations when we started this quarantine. In addition to schoolwork and, and working from home, you know, we, we had some projects kind of set out for ourselves, like purging old clothes and decluttering closets and improving some things around here. I also announced that there would not be a single junk drawer in this house. And eight weeks in, I think we actually have added junk drawers, and I may be one of the culprits. In all honesty, though, we've made some progress. Uh, we've rearranged some bedrooms. The boys now each have their own room, and the girls are sharing a larger one, which is great for them. Uh, Susan is an English second language teacher, and she has reclaimed some space in our old toy room, and she's now teaching and tutoring one-on-one -on -one from, from that corner. So in some sense, we're, we're handling some of these things in stride, you know, throwing some things out, moving beds and dressers, and all that is the easy part. It was easy to reclaim space, physical space. Space takes on a whole new meaning, uh, especially these days, because it's not just about square footage, but it's also about our privacy space, our emotional space, our, our spiritual space. Earlier, Brian said that your home is a sacred space and it is connected to God. So when a family like mine is given a platform like this, I'm supposed to tell you about the family devotions that we do and the worship songs that we sing around the piano and, and the prayers that we offer up and the food that we make and share with others and all these wonderful things like, like we're a Christian Norman Rockwell type of a thing. But here's the truth. While we, while we do our own version of some of that, that's not really our main focus, and it's not really an accurate picture of who we are. Don't get me wrong, we have many spiritual conversations around the dinner table, and sometimes before we go to bed at night, and sometimes when we're watching TV and we hear like this subtle yet dangerous type of message kind of coming through our airwaves, and we pause the TV and we have a conversation about it. I think I'm really the only one who enjoys those conversations, but you know, we have them. But in between all that, there are countless admonishments of please stop picking on each other, please unload the dishwasher, please load the dishwasher, no you can't go back on the PS4, whose socks are these, please don't annoy the cat, turn off the light, no YouTube is closed, Disney Plus is closed, the internet is closed, do something else please. It's exhausting and sometimes stressful and no one is at their best when they're operating like that. You're prone to be impatient and anxious and even short-tempered. And all those virtues that contribute to your best self are significantly compromised when, when you're operating like that. I know it's Sunday and we're supposed to inspire you with wonderful uh, things and give you a, a few uh, spiritual truths and say you can be joyful like this too. But I want to give you something better. I want to tell you a few things. One, I, I want to remind you of of what my wife said earlier, that you're probably doing better than you realize that you are. Don't measure yourself up or, uh, or your family uh, against anything that you're seeing online or on television. Uh, I don't know a single family that is saying, oh, we are just having a great, wonderful time. Homework is easy. Work life is even better. Marriage is super fun. And, and our kids are just loving the quarantine life. I hope we never get out of quarantine. Nobody's saying that. It is hard and challenging for everyone. And all of our challenges are unique. But second, despite the stress and the chaos and the frustrations with homework and the limitations from working from home, second, 
there is a resilience that God is forming in all of us. Like many couples, Susan and I have this moment at the end of the night when we reflect on the day. And we talk about the losses and we talk about what needs to be changed and what's concerning us. And we try to remember to celebrate the wins too. A few weeks ago, we started to say how, how we noticed that this was changing our family culture. And here's what we mean. You know, we're grateful when we have a, a time of family devotions, but what we really want is for our kids to be kind, for our kids to be loving, for our kids to be forgiving and humble and loving, to be more of the way that Jesus led and taught and lived. Just like it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. We are depending on the Lord for all of this, and these words take on new meaning when we are being quarantined together. God is instilling fortitude in each and every one of us, including our little ones, and it's happening in very slow motion perspectives are slowly changing and our behaviors are slowly adapting. I see this when my sons are doing the dishes and they're talking about sports and, and Fortnite, but it's not the subject of their conversation that's interesting to me. It's this newfound gentleness in the way that they're speaking to each other. I see it also when my daughters are playing with each other. Yeah, they still tease and annoy each other and, and do those types of sisterly things, but there's also what feels like this newfound kindness and togetherness. It's almost like learning a new language, one that's less about me and one that's for others, one that's for us. Yeah, and there are more, fa dinner, uh, there are more family dinners at, at the table and literally none in the car, which is, which is refreshing. And there's many wonderful things that have happened throughout all this. I'm sure you're experiencing your, your own thing with, with things not being so rushed and, and, so, and so intense and hectic. And any progress is always a, a, a blessing to any father and mother's heart. But things are also complicated and full. The other week, Brian was outlining where he was headed with this message, and, and he was quoting the back of verse 7, uh, chapter 3 here, and it says, Let nothing hinder your prayers. And I started reflecting on that. Because even in the midst of chaos and messiness and family rhythms and what feels like taking one step forward and two steps back, even then, we can all pray unhindered. Maybe for some of you, it's not that chaotic, and it's not that loud, and it's not that messy. I imagine for those of you who are living alone, and, or for those of you who are living with just one other person, those aren't the problems. But there's the same question that we can all ask, and it's, it's this question. Is this pandemic hindering or fueling my prayer life? I may be praying more, but, but is the faith in my prayer life hindered or is the faith in my prayer life bolder? Is the collective stress and frustration dominating my prayer life that it's hindering my intercession or is it fueling my intercession? Throughout this quarantine, we have been saying that COVID is exploiting all of our weaknesses. And, and that's true, but it's also revealing our resilience and the potential that we have to, to adapt, to grow in character, even to innovate, 
and it's also revealing our relationship with God and how we interact with the Lord. And so, friends, may your home be a true sacred space. May you be resilient and may nothing hinder your prayers. Amen. Well, thanks, Tim, for an honest but hopeful look at family life in quarantine. Resilience and fortitude. I love those words. So I hope you're beginning to understand and even believe that your home can be sacred space, even in a time of quarantine, and maybe especially in a time of quarantine, when those other sacred spaces aren't available to us. God is meeting us in these days. He is forming us spiritually. He's, he's using us to, to bless each other and those around us in, in ways that we hope he'll continue to do, even on the other side of this. I was talking to a young mom from Grace recently and about all of this and asking what she was learning in all of this. And she shared with me that as a younger woman, she never really imagined herself as a wife or a mother. She just wasn't sure she was cut out for those sort of things. But one thing led to another, and so she finds herself today with, with a husband and a career and a couple of young kids and, and a home to help take care of. And so when this thing hit and she realized she was going to be home 24-7 with her husband and her kids and her work and herself, she was kind of afraid. She wasn't sure she could do it. She wasn't even sure she wanted to do it. And it was an anxious time. But seven or so weeks in, she's discovering, to her relief and, and her delight, that God is providing her with all that she needs to, to be and do all that she needs to in this season. Now, not perfectly by any stretch, not easily. She told me she's still, she's still exhausted. The kids still throw tantrums. But she's finding joy and strength and, and goodness in this season. And I could, I could see it on her face. I could hear it in her voice, even over Zoom. God's doing a beautiful thing there. What are you learning these days? How is Christ forming you as, as a person, as a friend, as a spouse, a parent, a child, a brother, or sister? What new patterns are your fam is your family discovering? What, what do you want to carry with you on the other side? Give yourself and those you love, those you live with, time to think about these things as we look to the future. Now I realize for, for some who are listening today, this is a very difficult, painful time. And it could be the family life we've been talking about here today is a far cry from what you're experiencing. I want you to know if, if you should find yourself struggling right now, if, if you're feeling unsafe, unwell, unloved, know that you have a family right here with us at Grace or, or in your own church home if you have one. So please reach out to us. Just send me an email, brian at grace.org. You don't even have to know what you're asking for. Just, just start a conversation. It's confidential. There's no pressure or expectation, but just the invitation to begin to think about how Christ might want to meet you at home personally in these days. Well, hey, in a minute, we're going to enjoy a beautiful song, and then Pastor Leah has some closing thoughts for us. But before we go, 
I want to offer a prayer for you and for your home. So would you just bow with me and just receive this prayer? Heavenly Father, from whom every family on earth derives its name, I pray your blessing on every home listening here today. May each one know your strong and gracious presence in these days. May you do something new and good in our families, in our homes these days, in order that we might bless one another and together bless the world. I pray today, Lord, for families in distress, for those who might be grieving or lonely or afraid or, or sick. Pray, Lord, that you might grant healing and comfort and help. We pray for families at risk today, Lord, because they are serving us as medical personnel or essential workers. Grant them courage and health and strength. We thank you today, Lord, for those who have been like mothers to us, spiritually and naturally. And we pray for those who are mothering children and even adults under their care. We pray for those for whom motherhood is a source of struggle, of disappointment, of pain. May you grant comfort and healing and hope there as well. And finally, Lord, we pray for our faith family, for our church. We thank you for the brothers and sisters with whom we worship today. Remind us that we are a family. And may you use this season to strengthen our love for you and for one another in order that we might share that deep and unconditional love with the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, thanks for coming over today. Enjoy this next song, and then Pastor Leah will send us on our way.